Hi, I'm Randy Heckman. Welcome to the Grand Awakening Podcast. Our heart here is to do all that we can to incline the heart of our Sovereign Lord to pour out His Spirit and power, reviving His church here in West Michigan, in our state, and in our nation, leading to a great spiritual awakening, all for His glory. But first, it's critical that we listen to what God is saying to us and that we quickly and cheerfully respond to God's instructions in humble obedience. Today, we welcome a man who truly knows much about the privilege, the power, and the joy of prayer. Chairman of both the National Prayer Committee and the National Day of Prayer, Dave Butts. Well, you know that prayer is one of the greatest privileges that uh, we as Christ followers have. Our guest today is definitely no stranger when it comes to that subject of prayer. He's really, if anyone's a man of prayer, it is our, our guest a man who has taught me so much personally about prayer. Uh, welcome to Dave Butts. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Randy. It's great to be here with you. Let me give a little more background on you, Dave, for our listeners. Um, many people will know you, I'm sure, but he's a much sought-after conference speaker, both nationally and internationally. He serves on several boards of directors and committees that are focused on specifically prayer, revival, and evangelism. And these are just some of his groups. He's president of Gospel Revivals that publishes Herald of His Coming, which if you don't get it, it's a great publication. My wife and I enjoy reading it every month. He's chairman of America's National Prayer Committee, a chairman of the board of the National Day of Prayer, and chairman of the Pioneer Bible Translators Board of Directors. And he is the board of directors of America Praise as well. And uh, he's written a lot, authored 14 books on various aspects of prayer, written many articles for magazines and blogs that can be found at Harvest Prayer Ministries. That's one word, harvestprayerministries.com. So again, Dave, thanks for joining us here on this podcast today. It's a delight, especially if we're going to talk about prayer. Man, I want to be here. Come on. All right. You know, I quote you a lot, Dave. And I'm going to take uh -oh. a little, little quiz here because I've, I've quoted you. I've asked you one time, how would you define prayer? Let's see what your answer is today. See if it goes along with what you told me a while ago that I quote you on. Oh, that's <laughs> what, that's not fair. You know how many times I've been asked that by people through well, the years? Well, what would you define? If you don't come right on, I'll, I'll give you what you told me before that I just love. But what, what would you consider prayer to be? Oh, well, obviously, it's 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 talking to God, mm -hmm. uh, and it's listening to God, uh, and and I, you know, I I would say that more than than anything, it's it's drawing near, and spending enough time with God to understand what's on His heart, so that we can ask Him to do what He already wants to do. That's really good. That's good. Well, let me just tell you how I how I quote you, and I it, it's consistent, very consistent with what you just said. You said prayer is is the communication part of the most important love relationship that we have, and that's again consistent with what you just said. But it, it's it's not just gimme, help me, gimme, help me, gimme, help me, goodbye, God. But it's 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 interacting with with our lover of our souls, our heavenly Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and I, I love that. Well, I, I got to tell you, you know that what you described that just prayer list. Give me these things. Uh, we know that doesn't work. Yeah, 
I mean, we, we, we ought to just have tossed that by now because we all understand that God is not a celestial Santa Claus. We come to with our list. That's right. Um, check it off. But yep. it, it requires spending our days with him mm. and understanding his heart. And then, and only then, are we able to begin to ask with any sort of authority or authenticity? Yeah, that's really good. Well, Dave, you're you know you you're well connected with prayer efforts across the country, really across the world. But you know the subject of of our of our little podcast here deals with America. America's in trouble. And, and you don't have to spend a lot of time talking to people and trying to convince them of that. I mean, just the division and the conflict, and oh, it's just painful. And uh, it, it's, it's like, you know, and of course we have COVID and other sorts of things as well yeah, that have really been disruptive of our, of our normal, quote-unquote, lifestyles. But it's like God is talking to us. And... and you know, I've often said, you know, we can try to blame government. Well, if they just get their act together. Well, government is a reflector of the culture. Right. Culture is a reflection of how healthy the American church is, how effective we have been and influence this culture. So what, what is your sense that God is trying to communicate to his bride, the church in America today? Well, you are you are absolutely right that it's this isn't a government issue. Mm. Uh, it's it's ultimately a heart issue. It's ultimately what's happening in the human heart, and the group of people that that are to be the experts on that, if you will, the church. Yeah, we're the ones that are to understand. I mean, we we have the Word of God that's a part of us. If it's 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 who we are, really. It's just. Uh, what we know is is what we know from God and everything else. And, and so, you know, it's it's scripture that tells us that the heart of man is, is deceitful. It's scripture that tells us there's no one who does right. Mm. It's scripture over and over again. It tells us about the human heart and then tells us the solution for that. So if our nation is in trouble or any nation, it goes back to the people who, who understand what God has said about the human heart. And so because of that, this is what's happening in our nation is an indictment of the church. And uh, we've, and, and I mean, you, you know, and I do, I love the church. Amen. I really do. I love the church of Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm not a critic, or if I am a critic, it is from one who, who passionately loves and believes that that God is not done with the church, mm-hmm. that that He has a, a plan that is eternal in in its nature, and that is going to continue beyond our our ups and downs. But we do need to look at the world around us and say, if this is so bad, and it is, you haven't even begun to get into the the things that are going on in our nation, right? Uh, but it is horrific. It's like nothing I've ever seen in my lifetime. And uh, like you, we, we've been around a while. We have. And, and we've seen up, you know, ups and downs, but there's nothing like what's going on today. And the church, the church is strangely silent. Mm. There's, there's not a message. And if we try to speak, 
we're, we're speaking with almost a divided voice. It's, true. Uh, it's like one part of the church says this, and then the other part of the church says, well, yes, but, and then yes, but, and, and, and it indicates the divided uh, nature of the church itself, rather than speaking with that unified voice uh, for the Lord into a culture that desperately needs to hear the healing message of Jesus Christ. We're damaged. We are, we are hurting as a people, but we're hurting as a people ultimately because we're hurting as a church. A younger generations, particularly, don't want to have anything to do with the church. They they might have some interest in Jesus, but they don't want to hang around the people who hang around Jesus uh, because they have, in a sense, tried it and found it wanting. Hmm. And that is a strong indictment of the Church of Jesus Christ in our day. And you might know. I'm going to be quiet. Because I'll let you lead into this, but you and I know what the answer is. <laughs> well, let's talk about it. And that's really what, what I want to ask you is, okay, if you're able to communicate to leaders, Christian leaders uh, around the country, and you have the ability to communicate even one-on-one with each one of them, uh, what, would you, what would you say? We need revival. And what's that going to look like? I like to say we need revival and then be quiet and see what to say. I, I will tell you this, uh, Randy, uh, and I remember really uh, vividly 25 years ago talking to a number of pastors about revival and getting a lot of pushback uh, of, well, we don't need that. That's kind of old-fashioned, this and then that. Here's what I want to say. I'm not getting that pushback today. Mm. I am actually finding more and more pastors who are nodding their heads, who are going, yeah, 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 we get, we, we need something. And, and what it, what has shifted is an awareness that we don't have anything in a sense in our hands that we can offer to our nation that's going to change things. It's not going to be the next election right. that changes things. Right. It's not going to be a new program of the church that's going to change things. We we don't have what we need to give to our nation. Mm. What we need is supernatural intervention. Mm. And that's what a revival ultimately is. And that supernatural intervention, uh, interesting enough, um, is actually very simple. It's, it's, this isn't, it isn't hard. This isn't like, you know, theological stuff that's difficult for people to grab a hold of. The intervention that we're asking for is is simply this, Lord, we need to be aware of your presence because it's the presence of God. It's the presence of Christ that changes everything. It has always been that case. It was that case for, for Israel in the Old Testament that, that when they had drifted from, from the presence of God, God would typically use a number of, of remedial judgments. He would, he would allow things to happen to them as a nation in order to get, them, to get their attention so that they would in turn re- return to him and begin to cry out, n- n- not just for God to fix the circumstances, 
in their nation. That's insufficient. What they needed was a, a fresh awareness of the presence of God in their lives. And when they had that, then the circumstances begin to change. Hmm. You know, then a lot of things begin to happen, both uh, in interior, inside people, as well as exterior in the nation. And so I would say it's exactly the same thing today, that, that if you will, the church has gone to sleep. And, you know, we, we, we all kind of know what it's like to, to feel drowsy. Right. You know, I mean, I, I've been in those situations. Honestly, uh, I hate to say it, but sometimes it's like if you're in church so, and you're tired, you didn't get enough sleep the night before, and someone's talking and you want to stay awake, you want to focus, but it's so hard and you 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 just almost find yourself nodding off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and what we need is something to, to wake us up. You, you notice I keep grabbing my coffee cup. Yeah, right. You're, you're working on it yourself right I, now. I love, I love caffeine. <laughs> it, it helps me wake up. But see, that's, that's really where the church is. We don't need caffeine to wake us up. What we need is an awareness of the presence of Jesus Christ. And, and so uh, I, I want to I be theologically correct here for a minute. Right. The Lord is present in the midst of his people. I mean, that's just a true statement. Uh, my, my life verse is Colossians 1.27, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Right. And so through the Holy Spirit, who has come to dwell in us, he dwells in us. By the way, he doesn't come for a visit. He comes to dwell. He comes to stay mm-hmm. in, in us. And so he's there. And, and particularly then when you have a whole group of believers that assemble, say, on a Sunday morning. Right. That's when then the presence of Christ ought to be fully experienced. Hmm. But if you, if you drill down into the experiences of most believers, vast majority, you know, 99.9% of believers and churches, if you talk to them on Sunday morning, or Sunday afternoon after Sunday morning church, and you say, man, tell me about the presence of Jesus. And, and you're going to get that deer in the headlight sort of stare of what? Well, I mean, we had a we had a great song service. Pastor's message was wonderful. But what are you talking about? Presence of Christ. Mm. See, I, I would say what's what is sadly lacking in the church. And because of that, it has not filtered into the nation. It's not impacted the nation. We've not made the impact on the nation that the church is capable of, is because we we know something theologically. Christ is with us. Mm-hmm. He is in us through the Spirit of God. Right. But we are not walking in an awareness of his presence. You know, the old the old authors, people you and I love to read, you know, would talk about, and the terminology I love, they talk about the manifest presence right. of God. Mm-hmm. God's presence, which is already there, but it's made manifest. And when that would happen, I mean, sometimes there'd be some extraordinary things. If you look at the revivals of the past, there, there's a lot of us wouldn't feel comfortable there. Because sometimes they got pretty emotional. 
you know, sometimes there, you know, there were tears, there was laughter, there was falling down, there was all sorts of things. Oh, yeah. And and the trouble is sometimes people try to manufacture those those results mm-hmm. instead of again going back to the heart of that. And the heart of that is suddenly in God's timing and in God's way, people were were awakened to the fact that Christ was there. And if Jesus is there, mm-hmm. nothing will ever be the same. Okay. It changes everything. Let, let me, uh, I, I agree with you. We want that manifest presence. And you and I are aware of yeah. prior awakenings and revivals where the presence, the manifest presence of God shows up to a group and you don't, it doesn't matter who the preacher is at that point because God has shown up, you know. That's right. But, you know, God is sovereign, and he decides when he's going to do that. And as some have said, you know, you, you, the, the wind blows where it will, you know, the Spirit of God. But we can at least put up the sails and be ready for the sovereign move of God. So what? how do yeah. we do that as American Christians? Yeah. You know, what yeah. What would you suggest that we need to do to to in to, to, to bring, at least do our part. God is sovereign. He's got to do what he's going to do. But what, what need we to do? What should we be doing to put those sails up, to catch that wind of God? I like, I like the sails image. I think that's good. Another way that I use often, and again, they're the same thing, talk about the same thing, is preparing a landing spot. Yes. Preparing a landing place for the Holy Spirit to okay. come. Well, how do we do that? Yeah, whether we're talking about sails to catch the wind of the Spirit or a landing place here, uh, ultimately, I would say it comes down to prayer. Now, the reason I would say that, uh, and, and, and prayer does not make God do something. Okay, you said it well. This is in God's timing. He is sovereign. He is in charge of this. But what we do know is this. You can go back, I mean, literally— over 3,000 years now, so that's enough of a time period here, at least 2,000 years, and you can see that every time the Spirit of God moved to bring about an awakening, to bring about revival, He first of all set a group of people to prayer. So there is always, always, always a movement of prayer in anticipation of a move of God's Spirit in awakening. Now, it's timing that gets us frustrated because we are we are short-term people in our day. Yes. You know, we do something for three weeks. If it hadn't happened, I'm done. Yeah. You know, the idea of, of just kind of, in a sense, locking in on something and saying, I'm going to continue to do this for the rest of my life, whether I see God move or not, I'm going to do this because I know it's right, because I know it's what God requires. And so so I would suggest that one of the most important things we do is we have a tenacity in prayer that says, I will pray whether I ever see it with my own eyes or not. But I'm going to pray. If I won't see it, maybe my kids will, or maybe my grandchildren will, but I will not let up. I mean, I know saints who who are no longer here on earth with us. They've graduated to heaven, and they did not see revival with their own eyes. But I know of their intense prayers for revival, for spiritual awakening, 
and they will receive their reward because they were tenacious, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. persistent in their prayers. So, So I would say the first absolute most critical thing, because we know historically no revival that we know of has ever come apart from a movement of prayer. So, so, I mean, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah, oh, you know, absolutely. Yes, we pray. But I would add to this that there is a, a type of prayer that I believe is important. Okay. What, what would that be, Dave? That's the prayer of repentance. Mm-hmm. It, see, otherwise, otherwise we can fall into a trap I mean, you could be tenacious, persistent in prayer, but you can almost approach God as though you owe us. I'm praying you owe us revival. (laughs) God doesn't owe you anything. He does not. Not a thing. Mm. But but when we pray the prayer repentance, and it's not like, well, we pray and then we repent. No, repentance is prayer. That's good. It's a type of prayer. There's other kinds of prayer. But, but the, the prayer of repentance is the prayer that says what we really deserve, God, from you is, is, is death. <laughs> we, we deserve punishment Amen. for our sin. Yes. Lord, we have sinned against you. We have been rebellious. Yeah. Everything that we are, are seeing, mm. we deserve. Yeah. I, I think back to that, that powerful prayer of, in Daniel chapter 9. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, almost the entire chapter is Daniel praying this powerful prayer because Israel had been in captivity at this point for almost 70 years, and Jerusalem had been destroyed. The temple was destroyed. They'd received great, great punishment. And even though Daniel had read the scrolls of Jeremiah and knew that their punishment period, their exile was coming to an end, yeah. his still, his entire prayer was, God, we got what we deserve, yeah. Lord, and I'm going to continue to repent. It's just fascinating because here it is 70 years later, and Daniel's still repenting for the sins that led them into captivity right. in the first place, 70 years later. That's a remarkable story of repentance, but God heard the prayer, and he literally sent Gabriel with a message of hope for the future. It's kind of amazing to me in Daniel, in, in that chapter, Daniel 9, how many times I've circled it in my Bible, how many times Daniel says, we, we, we. Hey. And yeah. Daniel's the one guy or one of the guys in Scripture that I cannot find a lot of fault with as far as him personally being involved in sinning, but he owned it. And so our prayer should not be, you know, it's those bad Christians over there and those... It's we have, Lord. We we are a body. We're we're one, and we have let you down, God. Please forgive us. I love that, Dave. That's good. It is so powerful. Dave, Daniel and and then later Ezra. Yep. They all end up praying the same way of identifying with the sins of their people because they understood something. Yes. They're apart. That's really good. They're apart. They, 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 in a sense, have a sense, or uh, this kind of a New Testament sense of the body of Christ. Yep. They understood where Paul would teach, you know, well, you know, the, the, the hand doesn't say to the eye, we don't need you, or the, you know, parts of the body don't talk and say, because he understood, Paul understood, no, no, you're part of the body. Daniel understood that. Ezra understood that, that 
they were all Israelites and they were connected. And so when he confessed and when he repented, it was for himself as well as as the people of God. That's really good. That's got to be that way for us. That's good, Dave. Well, Dave, um, you know, you've, you've been in this prayer movement for quite a period of time, and you and I have worked together in the whole area of praying for revival. Over the last uh, five to ten years, have you seen any trends in the body of Christ in America praying these sorts of repentance prayers for revival? I really have. I, I'm encouraged by that. That's great. Uh, Tell us about it a little bit. What, yeah, what, what yeah. have you seen? Yeah, I'm seeing some. I'm some. Uh, let me give several things here. Okay. One, and I'm not pushing this because I happen to serve on the board of directors, but I'm I'm seeing some really neat things happening with city-based prayers using uh, a, a model that really developed in Austin, Texas, and up in Bellingham, Washington, and it's kind of coalesced around something we call uh, America Praise. Uh, which is a, a group of churches come together. They they they've coming to understand that it's not just it's not just me, nor is it just my church, but I, we really need a, a group of churches to come together and cover our city or our state in day and night prayer. Yeah. And uh, so my friend my friend uh, Brian Allred l- learned from what was going on in Austin. What's actually Austin, Texas, the liberal city. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not this godly place, but you know, they have been covered in day and night prayer now for 13 years, Wow, 13 years. Here's, here's how they did it. It's so simple. A church, one, one church will take one day a month, right? Same thing every month. So let's just say they choose the fifth of the month. So on the fifth of every month, they're going to cover that day in day and night prayer for 24 hours, they're going to pray. So really what they're going to do is they're going to pray for 12 days that year mm. on the fifth of every month. They're sure. going to pray. Sure. And then the church down the street is going to take the sixth mm-hmm. of every month. And they're going to pray that you see, it takes 31 churches, you know, to cover that. They have over a hundred churches. So, I mean, they're on, their days are covered by multiple churches yeah. that are praying. Same thing's happening in New Mexico. The same thing's happening in Albuquerque. It's beginning to happen in, in uh, the Twin Cities, in, in Minneapolis, yeah, and, and in uh, Orlando, Florida, and in Connecticut, you know, and in places all over the United States. Churches are understanding that we got to get serious about prayer. And, and we give people some ideas of things to pray. And one of those things is for awakening, for spiritual awakening. They're praying for revival. Yeah. So here's the fun thing. Day and night prayer is happening mm-hmm. around the nation for revival. Well, we want to have that happen here in West Michigan. And frankly, and I say it with a bit of embarrassment, we started trying to go down that road a few years ago. And we we ended up not being able to recruit enough churches to make it happen. So we need to pick yeah. that ball back up. So you're an encouragement to me to begin to push that thing here in our area, where we have tons of churches and quite a bit of prayer, but we need to get more organized. So thank you for that, Dave. But you're seeing other prayer efforts as well, aren't you, around the country for a revival? Absolutely. You know, one of the things, I, you know, and I'm, I'm just thrilled, so thrilled. For the last 18 years, I've served as chairman of the board for the National Day of Prayer. Uh-huh. And people often say, oh, that's great. I wish it was more than one day. 
Well, the, the National Day of Prayer, you understand, is by act of Congress, sure. a, a day yep. of prayer for the nation. Mm-hmm. But the ministry that has grown up with that, the National Day of Prayer Task Force, is an everyday ministry. And there are prayer groups all over the nation that pray every single day. You know, there are two different groups. One prays uh, uh, from 10 o'clock at night till midnight, and the other from midnight until five in the morning, every single day by telephone. Wow. By telephone, there's a group of people who are praying, and they're praying for revival in this nation. Oh, that's good. See, I don't know about you. That's so encouraging to yep. me. Yeah. That's you know, really, it doesn't is. matter whether there's five people or 50. Uh, the, the prayer of a righteous man is effective, according to James. Right. And so if you've got one person on there and God, <laughs> then, then something's going to happen. And so I see that happening. I see the idea of 24-7 prayer, not just with America Praise, but it's happening in a lot of different groups uh, around the nation. Some of them combine worship with that, and that's a powerful type of prayer in which they're worshiping the Lord day and night, and that's happening in significant places around the nation. There are a lot of other churches that are setting up prayer rooms, and they have churches that come together in prayer rooms, and they're praying through the night for spiritual awakening in the church. So good. I have to tell you, sometimes the darker it gets, Mm. the more hope we ought to have. Because I see in the midst of that darkness, God's people praying. And and the thing that encourages me, Randy, maybe the most with this, is perhaps we're learning, finally, that we can't fix this. Mm. That this this is not something... It's, it's, it's a mess of our own making, yes, but it's not a fix that can come from us. The most we can do is humble ourselves before the Lord and cry out in confession and repentance and plead with him to pour out his spirit, to awaken his people to the presence of Christ. Now, here, here's, here's what I believe, because I've, I've seen it historically. I've not seen it with my eyes. But, but I've seen it historically, that when God's people wake up to the presence of Jesus, in a sense, a, a fire is started. Mm. There, there is a fire that begins to burn. And, and, you know, something on a physical nature, we all know, when, when there's a fire, have you noticed how people follow the fire truck? Yeah, I mean, if, if there's a fire, people gather to watch something burn. Sure. I mean, that's just, just something about us. Well, I want to tell you, when the church catches on fire, people will come and watch us burn. That's good. I love it. There is a fire. When spiritual awakening happens and we catch on fire, those who are outside the church are going to be drawn to that, and they're going to hear about Jesus, and they're going to sense the reality of the presence of Christ, and we're going to see a great awakening, not only in the church, but it's going to be evangelistic in drawing, I think. I believe, Randy, I believe it's going to draw millions to Jesus Christ. Christ. Yes. Oh, that is our prayer. That's great, Dave. Why don't you close us in prayer, would you, toward those those goals, that, that, that end of revival and awakening, drawing millions, yes, to faith in Christ. Would you close us in prayer? 
I'd love to. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of awakenings. Yes. Lord, down through the years with your people, you have again and again taken your people who have drifted, who've, who've fallen asleep, who sometime have just literally turned their back on you. And out of your astonishing love and mercy, you have awakened your people. Lord, would you do it again? Yes. Do it again in our day. Yes. Lord, help us to become a people of prayer in every way. Yes. Pour out that that spirit of prayer that the prophet Zechariah speaks of. Lord, would you awaken your people in prayer that you would awaken a whole nation and perhaps, Lord, even a whole planet, mm. that we would see a great harvest mm. as people are drawn to the reality of your presence, Lord Jesus, lived out in the midst of your people. Lord, you're the one who can do that. You're the one. Lord, help us to walk in humility, uh, in, <clears throat> in repentance, before you, that we might see once again another great awakening before the ultimate great day of the Lord comes. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Dave, thank you, brother. Thanks for that encouragement. Thank you for, for what you teach. Thank you for your life. And God, continue to bless you and your wife and your ministries as well. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate it so much. Love what you're doing. Thank you, brother.